Hi, I'm Zai Gale, and welcome to the Peace for Kids podcast, lovingly made by our community here in South LA. We're on a simple mission to lift up the voices and the humanity of children in foster care. And this is our Confidence Club episode. So confidence is really a touchy subject. I mean, for some people, it brings up ideas of someone being cocky and conceited, while for others, it conjures up images of strength and wisdom. The funny thing is that both of these ideas can be true. Confidence can be expressed in so many different ways, but it's always a unique representation of someone's talents and abilities. But what does confidence look like for people who've been in foster care? How do they access a sense of pride in their talents and abilities while dealing with the disruption of their identity through a dramatic change in their family life? To help answer this question, Jacob Stein and I brought in a special facilitator to launch the first ever Confidence Club at Peace for Kids. And we chatted a bit about how this opportunity came to be. So what's up, everybody? I'm here with my man, my brother from another mother. That's what up, what up, what up, what up? Yeah, you talking about having introduced you yet. <laughs> you just all the I couldn't wait, man. Uh, well, you know what? It's all right, because this episode is about confidence. It's about Confidence Club. So, you know, you taking the moment to introduce yourself before I do feels like it's appropriate because you do have a lot of confidence. But this is Jacob Stein. Jacob is the volunteer and youth development manager at Peace for Kids. It's a role that he's been in for seven years. And I'm excited to bring him in because we had a conversation with this young woman named Charmaine Griffin, who has been leading Confidence Club. And it's been an experience that a lot of our young female presenting, I've learned that I have to say female presenting, I can't say young girls anymore because we wanna recognize that it is for people who identify as being female, not necessarily folks who are biologically female. So that's something I'm working on. So, you know, just be aware. I'm, I'm figuring that out. And Jacob was responsible for bringing in the young woman, Charmaine, to facilitate it. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, It's been a tough, a tough year uh, as far as onboarding new folks. You know, one of the, I think, greatest blessings about my job is being able to onboard new people um, and allow them to have an opportunity to feel what you felt for 22 years and what I've been blessed to feel for, for eight years. And I know those numbers, he said eight, seven earlier, I'm saying eight now. I volunteered first at Peace for Kids. That's so right, that's right. Now I've been uh, full-time for seven for Which, seven which years. I will say in the beginning, like the first day you came to Peace for Kids talking about confidence, you were like, bro, I'm gonna work here. You're like, pull me <laughs> on the first day. I was like, I don't even know you, bro. What are you talking about you were working here? I just knew it, man. I could feel the energy of the space and of the kids. And I knew it was something really special. I don't think I knew why, but I knew when I stepped in the space that uh, it was where I belonged. So I'm, I'm blessed to, to be here eight years later and talking about a new young woman who uh, has been an amazing addition to Peace for Kids. And we have a whole process, as you know, orientation, then we do a training, and then then we allow folks to make a decision, is this the right space for you, right? <laughs> right, right. And, and so uh, Charmaine jumped the line. <laughs> I wonder if you can talk about why she jumped the line. Well, let, let me be honest she actually did a lot of the legwork. She kept hitting us up, saying like, yo, I wanna be a part of this. I love to volunteer. And when I did a search, you know, I found out in a blog that she had written that she actually had been separated from her biological mom at some point. And I didn't have all the details, 
But in this blog, she was writing about what it meant to try to connect with her biological mother. Why do you think it's important for someone who has had a lived experience in care to be able to come in without all those other things that we walk people through yeah. so they can come in in the, in the right headspace? We have found historically, folks who have a lived experience, they understand a lot of the things that we teach folks because they've experienced it, right? A lot of the training about social emotional development and about what our young people move through and the way that they respond to certain things and the way that brain function happens when you experience trauma, all of these things, people who have a lived experience of care, they have experienced it, right? And yeah, so they, they come in with that vast knowledge, oftentimes beyond what you and I have, right? Um, and the ability to connect just automatically. There's an instant connection. And it's not even something that they you know walk in and say, oh, I had an experience too. They don't have to. They just see a young person. They see where they're at. They understand it. They have empathy for that experience. And there's an instant connection. And so, yeah, when Charmaine was already hitting us up multiple times, you know, we had told her, hey, we're going to do an orientation, we're going to do a training. Then she hit us up again. Hey, when is that happening? Then she sent us a thing about Confidence Club, right? She gave us a write-up and said, this is what I'd like to do with the young people. And, you know, who are we to say no? And that call was really transformative for me, right? Because it was validating in the sense that when you talk to someone, like you just said, right, who naturally comes with some of the empathy and understanding about the care experience of lived experience. And as we were talking to her, she didn't connect her childhood to the foster care experience. And so a lot of our dialogue was about like, yo, do you know that your understanding of what our young people have been through is because you've had the shared experience in that same kind Absolutely. of lived foster care narrative. Yeah. You could see her have like, a light bulb, mo you know, an aha moment on the call. You could hear it. You know, she said she'd only spoken to a few people in her entire life who had a similar experience. Somebody was raised by a grandmother or somebody was raised by, a, you know, a relative. And so, you know, it was the first time she was speaking to somebody like, it's a whole community of people who have had a similar experience to you. And she, she lives with a very open heart, right? Yes. And very openly and honestly. And so on the call, you could, you could feel that from her, but there was even a bigger expansion when she felt like, oh, oh, wow, is this, is this like, a, is this another home for me? Is this another space where I belong? And you could feel that connection. Um, so it was, it was super powerful. It was. And you could tell that she was there because of an open heart, like you spoke to but also because she had been doing a lot of her own healing work as a, things, as a result of the things that she had been through when she was a kid. And coming to that awareness in this call was something profound, right? Because you don't typically hear young women, particularly young African-American women, who really put in that time and that energy and that work to be present with themselves and do the work on healing. So we're going to go into that conversation now you're going to hear some background noise. It's not the cleanest audio, so I apologize in advance. Our producer, Joe Peace, has reminded me that I need to do a better job at using these microphones. So don't get distracted by the AC in the audio because the conversation is amazing. So here we are, Charmaine Griffin, Confidence Club. I would say 
starting Confidence Club kind of goes back to my own story of having a very different care experience. I was raised by my great grandmother and that's really not heard of because usually you hear people who are raised by their grandmothers but not their great grandmothers. And my great grandmother was the matriarch of our family and she raised me ever since I was three days old. My biological mother lost custody of me when she was 15 and it was very hard on me because ever since I was very small, I kind of always heard the story of your mother didn't want you Mm. and she gave you up. So hearing that story replayed in my mind as a child and imagine a little four or five year old child being told that they weren't wanted. So I was basically given a story at a very young age about confidence and I lacked I lacked it in its entirety. And I was before my, cause my, my biological mother was, she had visitation rights for several years before she lost those rights. I was very like bubbly outgoing kid. Like I was like <laughs> light up the room. I wanted to be on stage. I wanted to speak all the time. Like I was the first person who would like walk up to a stranger and be like, hi, I'm Charmaine. And like, <laughs> be, like super excited. My grandmother would be like, little girl, if you don't get yourself over here. Yeah, so, the, the, the way that grandmothers of color yes, are like, yo, yes, we don't do that yes, out here. Right? We don't do that. But <laughs> I was just so, um, I would say like, unscathed by the world. I didn't understand that the world was like this scary place until that moment happened where my biological mother lost custody of me and um, those stories started to play. And I remember being really small and sitting on the bed with my grandmother and crying and I was literally four and I was crying and I was like, why doesn't my mom want me? Mm. And that's when I changed. Now, other things happened. I was physically abused. Other abuse occurred at that time and it, it basically doubled down on that story for me. So I changed and my family has told, they've told me this, like I went from being like this bubbly outgoing kid to being really shy and really reserved. Um, I didn't speak like for almost a year, like I was pretty much mute, like I didn't mm. say much. Mm-hmm. And um, once I got into school, I kind of continued that that story of being shy, like staying to myself. I really didn't want too many people to notice me or pay attention to me. And I got older and that wasn't serving me anymore. And I wanted to start doing work around what that looked like because I became a teacher. And I became a teacher at around like 22, 23 years old. I was teach- I taught for around seven years. And when I was teaching, I realized that a lot of my students had the same story as me. Mm where they had unique care experiences or they went through some form of abuse or something happened in their childhood that took their voice away and took their confidence away and that affected them academically. So it wasn't really about just the teaching aspect. It was like I had to get to the root of what was really going on and what was really going on with my kids was this lack of confidence. They didn't feel like they could do it and you could hear it in the way that they talked. We would be doing, I started off teaching high schoolers, so we would be doing like um, some English project and I would have kids who literally could not read. And they're like, they, the kids who you think are like the quote unquote bad kids, like right. had a full on attitude, was like, miss, I'm not doing this, blah, blah. And I would sit with my kids after school. I'm like, yo, what's going on? And then I end up finding out, it's like, I actually don't even have the confidence or the courage to read out loud in classes. I just don't know how to do this. Right. So that shifted my mindset to say, a lot of the core issues that our kids have is around feeling this sense of like confidence and self-esteem, feeling good enough. Yeah, and as I hear you talking, 
you really point out the fact that a lot of this work is related to our own self-healing. Yeah. And that in order for you to be available for the young people, you had to heal this narrative that existed about who you were. Yeah. And it sounds like you've done that in a great way. I wonder if there are things that you still recognize come up for you in your narrative and your story, mm-hmm. even at this point in your life as someone who's a successful entrepreneur, someone who is obviously work with young people in different capacities, and someone who has her own successful career as a copywriter, right? You've accomplished a lot. And, you know, I also know that you've earned a degree, you've gone to college, right? So you beat a lot of those kind of stereotypical things that people say folks who've had a live care experience don't achieve. You, you, yeah. You've done that. But I wonder if there are still things that are impacting and affecting you in terms of your own healing that you keep coming up against. Uh, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I am actively in therapy. I actually started going to therapy in 2015 when I met my biological mother. So when I reconnected with her, all my trauma came up. It was like every story, every little thing, everything I tried to hide. And I was in the middle of being a teacher. So I was like, whoo, I was teaching my kids how to be confident in classrooms and I would have them stand and speak when they wouldn't raise their hand in my classroom. We were, we, you stand and speak, you use your voice, you project your voice, you use your sentence stems. People would walk in my classroom and be like, wow, your kids are super confident. But I was teaching them what I was learning at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it still comes up for me like I get very shy around speaking and using my voice. And I'm always told, like, you're a great speaker. You're an eloquent speaker. And I actually love it. I love speaking. But that fear comes up because a lot of my um, abuse as a child that I experienced was around me using my voice and speaking and being confident. If I was too big or took up too much space, I would get in trouble for it. Hmm. So I was kind of conditioned to play small. So I always have to fight against that and it's work that I'm still doing. It's work that I'm still doing in therapy. It's work that I'm still doing with coaching and it's it's a lot of like pushing past it. And it's the conversation that I have with Confidence Club. It's like, you're gonna feel those fears. You're, the fear might not even go away because those stories are like subconsciously programmed. But the way that you create new stories is by challenging that and seeing what's on the other side of that. So that's why I constantly push myself to do is like, how do I challenge this so that I can know that it's safe? Vulnerability is safe. Using my voice is safe. Taking up space is safe, which is also really important as a woman of color because society says, you don't get to take up space. You need to play small. You don't get to be in these rooms. And I was like, I got to push past this. I got to keep pushing and doing it afraid. That's like my mantra. And it's very uncomfortable. And yet I still like live this life of like constantly challenging myself to doing doing things afraid. Yeah, it's a, a powerful kind of thing to, to reframe, to recognize that that, that work of moving from the conditioning to this idea of like, I can be big and be the fullest expression of me possible. Yeah. It's really important. And it sounds like, it sounds like so much of what you've done is had this great sense of accountability to yourself uh, and what you're responsible for in your own life, but also working to understand what your biological mother is also accountable for. And how do you balance those things? Because you know, we work with young people in foster care and there is this yearning for their biological parents to have a certain sense of accountability and responsibility for them. And so I wonder if you can talk a little bit how you balance that sense of accountability 
in your in your spirit and in your heart so that you can do this work and do it from a place where you're not furthering more harm on children because I've been in spaces with educators or facilitators where they can do more harm yep. because they're coming at the issue from their lens and from their pain and because they haven't healed, can't really be present with the young people that you say you're serving. Um, yeah. And so I wonder if you can speak to how you address that issue of accountability in, in your life as it relates to your biological mom and as it relates to how you want to be of service to the world. Um, I would say that first and foremost, having my grandmother who raised me like that foundation she gave me so much of just like how to be a compassionate human being and that's something I'm able to lean into um, because my biological mother like that is not what I received from her and I had to learn through therapy that she has her own stuff she has her own big bag of stuff that she's also unpacking and it was hard for me when her and I first connected because it was very triggering um, it could have had the potential to put me back in a really negative space um, it didn't because of boundaries boundaries helped a lot and I had to learn what those boundaries look like because when her and I would interact, I'd actually go back to being that little girl. And she would be this adult who was kind of like telling me what to do or telling me how she felt or kind of interacting with me as a friend because my biological mom is actually very young. So it was hard for me because I was like, this is really triggering. Like I don't even feel comfortable using my voice because I felt like that little girl again who had to be a people pleaser. God forbid I say anything that push her buttons because maybe she'll abandon me. Maybe she'll leave me. So I had to really work through that and then establish boundaries and say, like, you know, there's certain things I don't talk to her about. You know, there's certain things that I have to understand that she doesn't have the capacity for. If I'm going through something and I really need to lean on someone, I go to my um, like not really like found moms, but like the moms that I like kind of like created yeah, yeah. for myself. In yeah, my your, life. your chosen moms. My those, chosen yeah, moms. Yeah, yeah. Those, so those, I, those chosen kind of energies yes. of feminine that can anchor you in that. Yes. So I lean into my chosen moms and I have like six of them. <laughs> they're, they're a lot there. One day when I get married, they're all going to show up and it's going to be fun. <laughs> but yeah, so I lean into them. I don't like I have a lot of boundaries with what I give emotionally to my biological mother so I can protect myself and also with the awareness that there's a capacity that she has. And initially I was angry. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to act like, oh, it was just all perfect. And I had boundaries. I was very angry that she couldn't be the mom that I always wanted her to be until I started to understand that that's just not where she's at. I still have to hold her accountable though, because if she says something that is hurtful to me, I do have to tell her. And I do tell her like, hey, that made me uncomfortable or hey, that was hurtful she is able to have the understanding and the wherewithal to apologize, but I'm still very mindful of just what I give to the dynamic. I still want her in my life and I still want to have the relationship, but I think the best way to do that is through having a sense of boundaries with her and just holding tight to those boundaries. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot to unpack there. So I appreciate your honesty and vulnerability in it because as we listen to the young people in our community wrestling with this same idea, I'm always impressed by their capacity to love. Mm -hmm. And why it's striking to me is, I don't know that in my human condition, I could continue to do that. 
You know, you see young people that come through and they're like, yo, I'm still open and receptive to love, even though to some degree, I feel like my heart has been broken in many ways. I still trust enough in whatever we want to call it, the power of the universe, God, Mother Gaia, whatever our definition is, right? That there's still this, this sparkle of possibilities that says, I'm good enough to be loved, while still dealing with the concept of how do I receive and get love if I couldn't get that from my biological parents? Yeah. And that's a really challenging thing that I don't think most people get is an internal struggle for young people who've had a care experience because you know they can't really define that experience until they do the work that you've done, right? Which is like, let me create these boundaries and understand my mom only had a certain capacity. Yeah. And while that does not work for me, and it has not worked for me, I can still have a boundary relationship with her mm -hmm. to get some of what I need. Yeah. And perhaps some of what I need is just to recognize that my mother was not capable, which helps me heal what I did not think I received when I was a kid. Yep. And so I wonder if you can talk to what it's like to keep your heart open, what it's like to make yourself receptive for the possibility of love, for the possibility of human connection, because you've talked about these chosen moms that you've been receptive to. And I wonder what things you've had to do within yourself to believe that you were deserving of that type of love. Um, a lot of affirming myself and telling myself that I deserved it. I remember like years, years ago, I used to look in the mirror and my work was to say like, I love you to myself. And it's affirmations we do in confidence club. And we actually practiced it. And it was really hard for a lot of like, like everyone. It was just like, what? This is awkward. But I remember doing it for the first time and crying when I looked in the mirror. Now I can say it and be like, hey, girl, you look beautiful today. I love you. Like it's different because it took a lot of practice. And by me saying that I deserve love and slowly allowing it to come into my life made me able to open up my heart to love. But it's also a two-way street because I think that the chosen moms that came into my life are also safe people who proved that they were loving people. It's the same thing like as an adult, when you're working with kids, you got to show up consistently and you got to show up like, you know, with love in your heart every single time, because if not, you're, you're not creating a safe container. My chosen moms created a safe container where I didn't really have to do much of the work, but just be present. And they allowed me to just show up how I needed to show up. And it made a safe space where I could be vulnerable with them, where I wanted to open up with them because it felt safe. It didn't feel like, you know, they were doing all this stuff and they had to go through all this stuff to show up for me. Now, they were able and willing. And because their hearts were open, it allowed for me to open up my heart. And I'm able to pass that on in confidence club because I'm like, okay, I know if I open my heart, they'll open their hearts. And that's exactly what we're seeing happening now. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, you get back to this idea of self, right? Healing yeah. self. So self-love is something that you had to practice and affirm for yourself in order to, to create uh, the space for yeah. these women to come into your life and to love you. You know, the one thing that, that I want to acknowledge too, I'm a firm believer in this idea of frequency. And, you know, our frequency is where our attention goes. I often joke to the kids here when we do our leadership retreats, I often tell them, you know why I hate horror films? 
is because horror films are too much like real life. That thing that you fear is always the thing that you run into. Even if you think you're running away from it, you run into it. Yeah. And it's the same with the energy and vibration of love. Like if you get in the frequency of love and that's what you see, then that's all that you can experience. If I tell you right now, yo, I love this red BMW. It's got a convertible and it's got this stripe on the side and it just came out in 2021. You're going to go out and that's the only car you're going to see, yeah. right? You'll be like, I never saw this car before and I've seen 20 of them the same day, yeah. right? Because the frequency of awareness is there. And so what it sounds like you've done and I want to commend you for, it's a tap into that frequency of love and make that be the vibration that you want it to exist in. Yeah. And I know so much of what you've done vibrationally in Confidence Club is to get our young girls to breathe through that, to get them to embrace their confidence, to get them to practice saying that they love themselves, to get them to really tap into that frequency so that they can exist there, yeah. so that all the other things that can potentially happen in terms of our narrative of harm and suffering don't really affect them because they don't see them. They're not in the vibrational experience of it. And so I want to acknowledge you for that because it's something that from the moment that we met when we met over the phone, yeah. I could get that sense from you. And it made me feel safe as someone who's taking it upon himself to be like the person accountable for the well-being of the kids in our community, right? Yes. Like that's what I do. I've taken that on for my own various reasons. That's another episode, right? Yeah. <laughs> But I wanted to acknowledge you because it was so clear from the moment that we talked that I felt safe with you and I knew my kids would be okay. And so I want to say thank you for your willingness to step up in this really bold, vulnerable, and brave way because it's thank been you. transformative um, for our community. And I wonder if there's any final words that you want to say to female presenting, male presenting who might be going through a similar experience to you in terms of your childhood, if there's something specific that you want them to take away from this conversation because they haven't been in Confidence Club with you, they haven't had this experience, but they're listening to this podcast right now. Yeah, I would say just start to reflect on the things that you love about yourself more than the things that you don't love about yourself. And if it's hard, make a list, just write down one thing, even if it's like, man, I can run really fast or um, have a really nice smile or um, my friends say this about me. And even if you're unsure, maybe even asking a friend, like what is something that your friend, you know, they really like about you. I know in Confidence Club, we actually did the affirmations in pairs where a completely complete stranger basically in the group was like telling someone else wow, you're amazing. You're really smart. Like telling them all these amazing things about themselves that they otherwise wouldn't have told themselves. So it's like, if you can partner up with a friend or just make a list of things and start to think about what you like about yourself. And if you don't have anything to hold on to right now, start to visualize who you want to be in the future. Close your eyes, ground yourself in this idea of who you would love to be. If you could just imagine yourself being who you are in your wildest dreams steer towards that version of yourself and start to encourage yourself and become your own best friend. And it will take time. And this sounds like some like amazing, like out of this world stuff to accomplish. But eventually, if you start practicing now, as simple as looking in the mirror and saying, I love myself, I'm good enough. And if you can't start there, start small, 
my bicep looks nice today. <laughs> you know, like my nails. Okay, my nails are fly today. Just some way to like compliment yourself and get into the habit of giving yourself the love that you need. It makes it easier for you to not only receive love, but also to give love. That's what's up. Thank you for that message. And uh, I take that to heart, right? It's called a practice because we need to do it every day. We need yes. to do it consistently. So yes. thank you for sharing that practice with us. Um, and thank you for sharing your practice with the young women, female presenting. I got to get this thing right, right? Female <laughs> yes. presenting. Female in, presenting, In yes. the Peace for Kids tribe. Um, we're so grateful for you and appreciate all that you are. Thank you. I, I always say, like, I'm grateful to be in this space and to serve. I'm so grateful. So thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to do so. Absolutely. Much love, sis. Thank you. Peace. And so now you know what Confidence Club is all about. If the members of Confidence Club will let me hang with them in the future, I'm hopeful that I can get you an intimate peek into their world so they can share their thoughts and insights with all of you. But until then, I encourage you to follow Charmaine's advice and consistently affirm your love of self as part of your daily practice. And to all the young people moving through a foster care experience, keep shining in a way that is authentically you, because that is what confidence is all about. In the history of the planet, of our universe, our multiverse, our omniverse, whatever you want to call it, there has never, ever been another you. You are it. So trust your instincts and your talents. Lean into them and practice them with joy and reckless abandon. And when someone questions your abilities or tries to put you down, just recognize that some people need to seek shade and shelter from the sun, and you just keep shining on. The peacock never worries that her feathers are too bright, and the owl never worries that her eyes are too wide. See your talents and share your colors with pride and confidence. The world is so much better when you do. So a big, big shout out to everyone who made this episode possible. Sister Charmaine Griffin of Confidence Club and my close friend and brother, Jacob Stein. Our producers, Joe Peace and Neil from Spare Women. And of course... All the youth at Peace for Kids who've made my life one that is filled with joy and purpose. Until the next episode, much love and peace. Peace.